Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So we've been, um, again, in a series called Moving Forward. God wants us to move forward no matter the season. Amen. He's calling somebody right now. He's saying to someone, move forward. Move forward. So last week I talked about uh, David and, and Saul, how David was able, able to move forward and, and Saul didn't. And, you know, David and Saul will, will always be linked together because David represents a man chasing after God's heart. So no matter what mistakes he made, no matter what went on in his life, that he walked with God. And Saul represents when we don't walk with him, what happens to us. Make sense? Right? So David was a man who always search God's heart. I don't know about you. I want to I want to be that that man that that person that always chases after God's heart. And it was amazing how um um God used David. I mean, David was a man of war, right? He he you know, they sent him out just to, to slay uh the Philistines, to slay uh, Goliath. Um, but it was the the thing about Saul, God told him not to lay a hand on him. So all the battles he fought all the people that he killed, he told David not to touch Saul. It was something about Saul. Saul was actually David's greatest enemy, but God told him not to touch him. See, David was not allowed to kill Saul. God wanted him to overcome Saul. See, there's certain things that we face in life, God just not going to remove it quickly. He's not going to remove it until we overcome those things. Make sense? So certain things that's, that, may, that you face right now may be in your way from moving forward. God's saying that I don't want it to have power over you any longer. So what I need you to do is to overcome it. So that way, now this will be a part of your testimony. So if it does come back, it won't have any power over you. Right? Because if we don't overcome things, if God always remove our problems for us, we will be malnourished. We won't be strong enough to face any battles. And what testimony will we have for someone that's actually struggling? If we don't actually win victories. See, God wants to see his glory. <laughs> the only way he can do that is through our problems. So some things that's going on in your life is not designed for it to be removed. God's saying that you need to overcome it. You need to overcome. Are you with me? Are we good? So this text here, here's Paul. He was uh, preaching a sermon in, uh, in, in a synagogue, 
and he stood up, he was just sharing with uh, some of the people there how he was giving a, uh, a history of the sovereign hand of God. But all the things that God had to put up with people, right? He was talking about the Israelites, how, how the Lord um, freed them from Pharaoh, um, and then he had to put up with them for 40 years in the wilderness, and then he gave them judges. He was given a history. He gave them judge, judges. And then, um, then Samuel came, and, and, then, and then, then they asked for a king. Um, so they, he gave them King Saul, right? And so God, so he was just giving illustration like how much God had to put up with them for all those years. Now, do you think the Israelites would have wandered in the uh, 40 years in the wilderness, if they had a concern of what God wanted? I mean, they had no concern of what God wanted. All they wanted was God to take care of their problems. God, free me from evil. Free me from Pharaoh. Free me for this. God took care of them every single day. But they not once was concerned about what God wanted. See, God wanted a better life for them, but they never sought his will. They only sought their needs. Right? They only wanted God to resolve day-to-day -day problems for them. I mean, God is a big God, right? Like, God is going to use this church tremendously. Like, small church Big God with big plans. That's the God we serve. He has big vision for this church. God don't care what size the church is, what number. He's looking at all of us and just like, I'm going to use you to do tremendous things, right? So God, God taught me just like, I don't focus on the numbers. My job is to focus on you, to pour into you. Amen? Because God wants to do a big thing in you and through you. But all they wanted, God to feed them and clothe them every day. They, was not con they were not concerned with the will of God. You know, God has to put up with us every day. I mean, every day, God has to put up with us. When we're asking him for this and that and this, God, can you take care of this? God, can, can you take care of that? God's like, do you actually know me? For once, can you ask me, how's my day? God, I got you. I got you. It's like, we, so he would, we don't ask him what he is concerned with. And see, the thing about it, if we don't do that, we get consumed with everyday problems. And it's very difficult for us to move forward when we're carrying all these problems with us every single day. God is saying to us, I want you to move forward, but in order for you to move forward, you got to let some things go. This is why we have this anchor scripture in Philippians 3.13. It says, brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. 
moving forward, sometimes you need to leave some fears behind, people behind, failures behind. He says to move forward. You have to leave some comfort behind. He's saying that to move forward. See, leaving things behind, it's like it tells us to give things over to God. Because he is the source of our power. You following me? So here's Paul. He started to give a testimony to the people in the synagogue. He started to give a testimony at church. He was just like, this is God's testimony. He says, I found David, the son of Jesse. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Think about that for, for a second. God in heaven gives a testimony. He says, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And then he says, who will do all my will. That is so I want God to say that about me. I found Gwenmar, the man after my own heart. I want to be that person. I want to be who God is looking for, who's not concerned with everyday life. It's concerned with the will of God. I want to be that person. I want to be who want to be that person that God says, you are who I was looking for. No matter what season that you're in, no matter what's going on right now, no matter if not toilet paper on the shelves at the store, you're not concerned about that. You're concerned for my will to be established here on earth. That's what David was after. He was after God's will. He says, the man after my heart, he says that he will do all my will. I want this to be a church that focuses on God's will. Oh, miraculous things will happen in this church. Things will have to change. Your situation will have to change. So it's just like, so when you, so that when that verse says to seek, uh, to reach for things ahead and forget about those things behind, it was just like, they was like, no matter what, forget about my failures, for, for, forget about all the mistakes that I made, forget about uh, people who, who, who said this or said that. It didn't matter. I'm still reaching forward. No matter what's going on, I'm still reaching for That means you have uh, something to serve. You have God's will to serve. Oh, we're, we're heating up. We're, we're heating up. We are heating up. Since I found David, I found David. That means God's been searching for someone like him for years. 
I believe God is still doing that to this day. Who in this church is God talking about? So we're going to talk about what does it mean to chase after God's heart and the benefits for doing it. Right? So I'm going to give you three ways to chase after God's heart. You ready? We just talked about it. You have to have a concern for, God, of God's, for God's will. You have to have a concern for God's will. See, knowing and wanting to be in the Lord's will is one of the most pivotal heart issues Christians encounter. Right? So it's knowing what is God's will for my life than wanting God's will for my life. Oh, that'll preach. So here's, here's what I've learned. Here's what I learned. When serving God, it always, it always means that you're serving something bigger than you. See, God's will is about serving something bigger than you. So if I have a relationship with God, as God called me to do something, it's not about my needs. It's always for the needs of others. It's got to be serving God is something bigger than you. So he has an assignment for all of us. But if we are consumed with our day-to-day -day problems, we will never receive or never serve that purpose he's actually given to you. To me, that is frustrating. It feels like I, it, I cannot stand to stay the same every day. Right? I need to get some breakthrough in, in my life. So we cannot overcome things in our life if we're consumed, if we're not serving God's purpose, if we're not concerned with his will. We're only concerned with our day-to-day -day problems. That's why he says, seek thee first the kingdom in his righteousness and what? Everything else with like we we get real quiet to the last part. Oh, oh, this, this, this. So it's like it's really true. If you seek him first, that means he he got everything else. But sometimes when our our our, our problems arise, right? It, it, it seems like the problems become bigger than God. So someone needs to make up their mind today. Inquiring minds want to know, is God your king or isn't he? Is God your king? If God is your king, that means he is above all things. All things. See, we can't just read that in the Bible and say that that's cute. No, that applies to our lives. Every situation in our life, it applies. So God is challenging us today. God is challenging us today. Are you concerned with my will? Are you concerned with what I want for this world, for your neighborhood, for your family, and for you? It's not just about our everyday needs. God's bigger than that. He has bigger plans for us. Are you with me? Is this okay? So I can move on with that one. I don't want to 
continue with that. I might get in trouble. So the second one, though, the second way to chase after God's heart, to chase after God's heart, that means that you continue to move forward. You chase after God's heart. So the second thing is wanting God's will starts with pursuing knowing him. Make sense? I repeat it. Wanting God's will starts with pursuing knowing him. Don't let searching for, uh, for God's will for your life become an idol. Then you, you miss out on a lot. You actually miss him. Right? So don't put God, uh, knowing God's will above knowing him. Uh. See, when we seek God just for a formula, too often we miss him and profoundly miss his best for us. So we can't, so we search for God's will all the time for our lives. Like, God, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? All the time we get consumed with problems every day. We get consumed with our, our uh, purpose for life. God's just like, no, what about me? So we need to pursue knowing him. So yes, God wants us to follow his ways, right? To obey him, right? But the Hebrew word for obey is, is called shema, which means to hear and obey. It's hearing that brings a response. What the Lord wants from us is relationship. It's relationship. He wants us to hear him know him and respond, to hear him and to know him and to respond. What does that mean? It's like when you take a moment and you spend time with God just to have a conversation with him. Like you're not asking him to take care of this and take care of that. You're just having, has anyone spent time with the Lord where you just had a conversation and you kind of got to know him better? Just worshiping, you know, God speaks to our spirit, you know, so but you, you usher in the presence of God and you're just sitting there and just having a conversation with him. I don't know about you, it takes the weight of the world off of me because it don't belong to me. It belongs to him. But it's just sitting there, just having a conversation. Like we miss those opportunities if we are consumed of knowing our purpose and consumed with the, our everyday problems. We, we, we neglect our relationship with him. He wants us to know him more. He wants us to know him more. Think about it. If you get to know him more, he will share his will. So we don't pursue God's will for our life. We pursue knowing him. Make sense? Oh, Vinny, I, I hope I didn't lose you. What happened with Eric? What happened to the amens and the preacher, pastor? It shouldn't matter what the word, if the word is challenging you, you still jump up and say amen, preach it, pastor. Come on, those are live streams. Come on, say preach it, pastor. Come on. I need a little bit of feedback. Come on. We should never pursue the Lord's will above pursuing him. He wants us. Psalms 27, 8 says, when you said, seek my face, my heart said, 
to you? Yes. <laughs> Your face, O oh Lord, I shall seek. Because if we don't do that, right, we become our own guiding light. We carry these burdens every day, and we feel like we're the owner of these burdens. God's saying, no, no, come to pursue knowing me, because then I'm going to make your life lighter. <laughs> right? Because um, um, God is our source of victory. We are not our own source of victory. So we need to pursue knowing him. If we're always pursuing his will, we think that it's going to be up to us to fulfill it. God say, no, 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 no. It's up to me. So before we begin asking the Lord to reveal his direction for us in a certain matter, we ought to take a moment to examine our mode, the motive of our hearts. Do we want to know God or do we just want a formula for life? Do we want to know God or do we want a formula? Uh, like how to search God's will. It's just like, okay, so if you run around a building seven times, right, and then you go home and you pray for 14 hours straight, God will reveal the, his will to you. No. Oh, not going to happen. Right? God's not going to give us a formula. He's just like, just pursue knowing me. David chased after God's heart. That means all of God. Then God will reveal his will to you. Not just for your life, <laughs> but for others. See, God's will is about how to be. It's, it's to be saved. First Timothy 2, uh, verses 3 and 4 says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to, be, to, and to come to the knowledge of truth, to be loving. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I loved you, that you also love one another. So you want to know what God's will for your life is? Be saved, be loving, be transformed. Romans 12, um, uh, 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the nations of God, to present your bodies as, as a, living, uh, uh, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be fearful like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. So if we are transformed, we, we only get transformed if we spend time with God. We only get transformed as we move closer to God. We only get transformed if we pursue knowing him. And then it says we will prove to the world the will of God. God wants relationship. God wants to relationship. So the will, God's will is about, to, about how to be. Be saved, be loving, be transformed, to be sanctified. We must be uh, set apart. 
to be thankful. We good? Are you ready for the third one? So three, we're talking about three ways to pursue the heart of God. Three ways to chase after God's heart. So the first, the first one we said it was, what was it? You know what it was? Yes. Be concerned with God's will. Right? So the second one is wanting God's uh, will. Wanting God's will starts with pursuing knowing him. Okay? So the third one is we must have a fear. We must fear God over everything else. Let's talk about it. See, sometimes God will test you to see who you fear the most. It's, it's the time that we're in right now. Uh, so for others, it just seems like an attack. But for us believers, it's a test that who you fear more, this situation or me the most. Right? Psalms, 30, uh, Psalms 33, 8 says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. God doesn't want, he's not saying that God wants us to be afraid of him. That's not the God we serve, right? No parent wants their child to be afraid of, of, of them, right? But what he's saying, saying is we need to stand in awe of God and his majesty. All that he can do, that means he is above all things and we just stand in awe. How many had an awe moment with God? Like you didn't know how you were going to get out of a situation and all of a sudden, sudden God just came through in the midst of chaos and you were just like, oh, wow, isn't God good. So we need to stand in awe of his majesty. So everyone else that is fretting and all that, us, us believers, the crazy believers would just stand in awe of his presence. Stand in awe of who he is. He is our majesty. He is above all these things. He's above all sickness. Amen. He sent his son. How much he loves us? He sent his son to die on a cross for what's going on right now. Also, I just need to stand in awe of his presence. See, when you do that, fear has no place. It has no place. If you're just focusing on God's will and who he is, like I know him, right? I know him. He's going to take care of me. He is going to take care of me. Yes, I need to take precaution. Yes, I need to be careful. I'll give you an elbow bump or whatever, but I know who my God is. He will never leave me nor forsake me. It's to stand in awe of his presence. See, this moment we have this opportunity for, for Christians to really stand up and reveal who God really is. Because there's other people searching for hope, other people searching for protection. We have that person. We know who that is. We need to lead us. We stand up with boldness and with our faith. and It, it, it would just magnify and it would be attracted to others. I have a solution for you. Just come with me. God will give you purpose. He will give you protection. Amen. You don't have to fear during these times. We need to be that message for people. Are you with me? We need to stand in awe of his majesty and power and wisdom and justice and mercy. We serve a powerful, powerful God. See, at times we tend to be in awe of the world. 
we put our circumstance, as I mentioned earlier, over God. We put our yes over his no. Sometimes all we want is yes, God, yes, God. And when he gives us a no, we're like, I didn't expect that. It's a such thing of no. But that no can be setting you up for a better yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So sometimes God will test you to see who you fear the most. Do you fear God or what's going on right now? That is a challenge and a test for all of us right now. See, Abraham in, in, Ge in Genesis 22, 12, Abraham could not move forward in life until he proved that he feared God more than he fe feared giving up his son. It was a test for Abraham. God promised him uh, to, uh, to be, he's going to be a great nation, just all these things. Like we're, benefit, we're reaping the benefit of, of Abraham's faith today. Right. So God's promised him all these things. And but he was he at one point in his life that he had to prove who did he fear most? Was it God? Or his son or losing his son? And then the Genesis 22, 12 says, and he said, do not lay hand. This is the angel that came. Do not lay your hand uh, on the lad or do or do anything to him for now. I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son for me, your only son. So he said he had to pass the test. He said the angel said, you know, the angel represents God. He says, no, don't lay a hand on him. Now I know you fear me. Because you did not withheld your only son. Your only son. So he put his son on the altar because he was just like, okay, I, listen, I love God more. I fear God more because I know that my son belongs to him. It's his son first. So he, so the angel stopped him. He says, now I know you fear me. Because you did not withheld your son. So God is saying to us right now, don't withhold things from him. Because when we withhold things from him, we are saying that we fear this of losing the situation or gaining the situation more than we fear him. Are you with me this morning? What do you fear losing over losing God more than losing God? He says, you have not withheld your son. You have not withheld your son. Those that have a dream, that God, you know that God's given you this dream, and but you don't see it coming to pass. You might have laid it on the altar and ready to kill it. God is saying to you right now, no, 
don't do it. Because now I know you fear me more than that dream. You fear me more than that dream because you did not withheld that dream from me. You laid it at the altar. So God is saying to you right now, the dream is about to come to pass. Your dream is about to come because you, did, because you didn't put that dream over me, above me. You did not withheld that dream. Oh, man. See, God will test our hearts. He will test to reveal our spiritual condition. See, David had to pass the test of God's will before becoming king. He had a season where he had to get fitted for the crown. So he had, he had some tests that he had to pass, right? See, God had promised David the throne, but David was willing to wait for it. That is a test of faith. When God promised you something, right, then you have to wait for it to come to pass. It's like this church right now, the season that we're in. We love to serve God. We love one another. We're worshiping in the hotel, but God has promised us a building. So we're in a season of waiting for it to come to pass. But it's testing season for us right now. Do we trust God more than we trust our needs or our wants, I should say? Do we trust God? Oh, this is a season for us that we must reveal God more than we reveal anything else. We must, we must fear God more than we fear anything else. This is our season that God is looking. It's like, okay, don't wait until you have a building, right? Be a church now. Serve me. Go all out now. Amen. We're not going to wait until we get a building to go all out. We're going to do all these things, these great things when we get a building because the, the cause church is not supposed to just reside in a building. Amen. It's out the four walls of the church. That's where ministry begins. But we are waiting. We are waiting for a precious gift, a miracle from God. And I believe that we're in this season. We're in that season. We, we were praying on, uh, what was it, Wednesday, Tuesday, last Tuesday. We had some people there just, just praying um, over God's promises, praying. We, they prayed for you, those that weren't there. They prayed for you. They pray, we prayed for our communities. We prayed for our families. We prayed for this world. We bind fear. We prayed for our building. We just thank God for him. We didn't ask him for it because it's already promised to us. We just thanked him for it. Amen? So David had to, to be tested, tested, right? That's why God said that he was a man after his own heart. His heart was tested. See, for, for David, Goliath was more than a test than a fight. See, the test was to see if he feared God more than he feared the giant. Because the other people didn't 
uh, passed the test. His brothers, David came and he served them food. He looked into their eyes when they were facing Goliath. They, everybody was so scared, right? No one, no one would take a stand to, 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 to defeat or to fight Goliath. Everyone saw it and go out and fight him. No one wanted to fight him, right? Everyone was scared. And so it was a test for everyone. And so here's David, right? He was willing to, to take the test. Amen. So he was just like, well, I, I don't fear this giant more than I fear God. See, it was more of a test than a fight. The fight was easy because God fights our battles for us. But he would test us to see who you fear the most. He would test us to see if you would you would step up. Amen. So you have to pass the test in order to win the fight. I'm going to say it again. You have to pass the test in order to win the fight. That means is that you, you must fear God more than you fear your problems. You must put him above all things. That's the test. He looked at this giant. He was just like, do you know who I serve? Like, I'm in awe of his majesty. He created the earth. Oh, my God. And he parted the Red Sea. Oh, my God. I can't defeat you. When you have God, God goes before you, who could be against you? Amen. So David knew, David knew something that we probably didn't know. Amen. Because there's no way he's going to defeat a giant with just a rock and a slingshot. It was something else behind that. It was something else behind it. You could say that David was a man of faith. Yes, he was a man of faith. He's a, but he was a man that passed the test. He was a man that feared God more than he feared the giant. No matter how big you, the giant you're facing right now, it is not bigger than God. It's not bigger than God. You can defeat that thing. You can defeat that thing. David passed the test. And he was a young boy. So it don't matter what age you are. He passed the test when no one else could. No one else was willing. See, sometimes we confuse an attack with a test. We say that God is attacking us. I mean, the enemy is attacking us. The enemy is attacking us. It could be just God testing you. That means he wants something from you. He's trying to correct something in you. Well, we just blame it on the attack, but we keep repeating the same behaviors all the time. If it's the same behaviors that are coming up in your life, guess what? It's not an attack. It's God testing you. You need to overcome this thing. You need to overcome this thing. If you live in fear, it's not the enemy that's, that you should fear. It's not, it's not the enemy that's causing fear. Amen? It's in a you. You need to overcome the fear. If you're living in fear, God did not give it to you. He says that you can overcome fear. I have not given you the spirit of fear. I've given you a sound mind. I have not given. God said, I have not given. Do you hear those words that's coming out of the Bible? It's, I did not give you the spirit of fear. So if you live in fear, it's not God. It may be a giant that you're facing right now, but God's saying that I need you to pass the test. And the first step to passing the test is to fear me more than you fear that giant. So sometimes we confuse 
and attacked with a test. The Israelites was freed from Pharaoh, but anytime they were being challenged by God, it felt like an attack for them. Anytime that Moses asked him to do something, let's go here, let's go there, they would just start a murmur and complain and just like, oh my God, it felt like they were attacked. The 40 years test in the wilderness revealed just how easily they, could, they forgot the God who brought them out of Egypt. They gossiped, they complained, they were lazy, they lust, they were prideful, they were angry, and they were selfish. Amen? So the t a test will either bring out the worst in you or the God in you. Say it again, Sandy. So the benefits of chasing after God. The benefits of chasing after God. There's some benefits to this thing, right? So the benefits, it keeps us moving forward. It keeps us moving forward. Proverbs 3, uh, in verse, starting in verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So if we don't let mercy and truth forsake us, bind them around our necks, we will find favor in God and man. And then it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and not on your own understanding, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Here's the benefits. Here's the benefits. And he shall direct your paths. That keeps us moving forward. So it says to walk in God's mercy and truth. Right? And we will find favor in God and man. See, mercy and truth are vitally important as we walk with God day by day, right? It says to bind them around your neck and to write it in your heart. And so, so this analogy is an outward and an inward analogy. So to uh, have it around your neck and write it in a tablet in your heart. Right? See, mercy, mercy and truth are both outward and inward relationships. So Psalms 85.10, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace, peace have kissed each other. So you must have it in your heart. You write it and you must have it in your heart, and then other people need to see it. <laughs> it says to have mercy and truth, right? on the outward and in the inward. So it's to write it in your heart, and then other people need to see it. Other, so so what is it, you're saying, well, what does that mean? Well, as we receive mercy, we need to be merciful. Let me just break it down with you like that. Right? So basically, what it's saying that we need to be kind, generous, gentle, good, and forgiving. That's what that actually means. I was trying to get a little deep 
with you, but let's just br break it down in practical terms. It just means be nice to people. Because God is nice to you. God's nice to you. God's nice to you. He's merciful to you, so that means that you had to pay it forward. Right? So you need, you need to be nice. That's what that actually means. And you need to be truthful. Stop lying. Like, it needs to truth. Well, it actually means carrying the truth, the truth of God. Right? Being an example. Right? So that's what that means. So it's the inward and the outward appearance. And the rewards are favor with God and man. Right? Doors will just open for you. God will give you favor and then people will actually like you. Because you've sold that into others. Like, you like other people. You treat people kindly, you know, so people will like you. So people get frustrated when doors don't open for them. Well, are you nice to people? Are you merciful? Are you forgiving? Right? Or we talked about it last, last week. Do you have those babies, right? Unforgiving babies. Do you have those babies not taking care of them, right? So you have to be nice. If doors were open, you have favor with God. God is saying that. This is who I was looking for. This is who I, this person is a person after my own heart. Doors will just open to you, open for you. And then you have favor with man as well because man will see the presence of God in you. Favor with God. Then it says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and, re, and, and in all your ways acknowledge him and it says he shall direct your path that means we keep moving forward amen see some people have a habit of leaning and trusting on their fears and past in their upbringing i said let it go no lean on me i'm trying to give you a new understanding a new perspective on on life you can't go by your upbringing right you can't go by the th your mistakes in the past your, your failures he's saying that no tomorrow is new my my mercies are new every day that means god continues to move forward and he wants to continue to move us forward god cannot do a new thing if you're still holding on to the old attitudes, right? So trust, I know people have, a, have trust problems, trust problems. It's like, okay, how long is that going to last? Some people really believe, trust me, some people be really believe that God needs to earn their trust. He don't trust you. Like God doesn't trust us. That's, that's why we need to die daily. Like God doesn't trust us, right? He loves us. That's why he, he had to send his son to die on a cross for us, right? So we think that God has to earn our trust. So God's like not in, in, in heaven just like, please trust me, please trust me, please trust me. Amen? So God, God's like in, 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 in heaven just watching over his trusted word and waiting to perform it. His word we ought to trust in. 
Amen. So he's not looking for us to say, you know, like, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. No, God's saying now you need to work out your trust issues because I am the God of, of, of everything. I am the majesty. I am the one that created the earth. I created you. I knew you before you were born. I have plans for you right now. They are great, but you need to trust me. You need to work it out. God's not going to teach you how to trust him. It's a choice. It's a choice that we make every day to trust him. And then by us doing that, we get to know him and we trust him even more. Make sense? Maybe the doctor can clean that up a little bit. Psalms 2 verse 12. God is saying, blessed are those who put their trust in God. Blessed are those who put their trust in me. So when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding and knowledge him in all your ways, he will direct your path. We will keep moving forward. We will keep moving. How many are ready to move forward in life? Want to continue to move forward? Not just past a situation you're going through. Like keep moving forward. God has the best for you. The best for you. The best for you. Come on, stand with me. He says, I found, I found someone. I found someone. I found someone who's chasing after my own heart and who will do all my will. I found someone. I found David. God is still looking for people like David. People like David. He's saying, wake up, giant killer. Wake up. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.